radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. Today I have Alan Godestino with me from EBG Consulting, and that is ebgconsulting.com. Alan is a veteran in the Agile industry with two books, as far as I know, two books, Requirements by Collaboration and Software Requirements Memory Jogger. She is very well known in the Agile community for her requirements work. Uh, but today, I'm going to speak with Alan uh, about products because she is uh, uh, currently, not only currently, for a long, long time, has been a product coach. But before we do that, uh, welcome to the podcast, Alan. That's great. Thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and well, also, FYI, uh, my third book is called Discover to Deliver, ooh. Agile Product Planning and Analysis. So ooh. there's actually three of those. <laughs> I, I know, and uh, just before we got started with this podcast, I saw you sitting in front of a lot of, lot of books, right, and uh, some of them are yours, and there's uh, so a third one to the list. Uh, the links to these uh, books uh, will be found on the show page, as well as your Twitter handle, which is Alan Gott, that is uh, E-L-L-E-N-G-O-T-T, I guess your name is too long for Twitter. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about products. Uh, you are a product coach right now, and uh, and you do a lot of coaching in this in this world. And I want to utilize and use this time here uh, with you just to talk about products. And I just thought maybe we're just going to start with the basics. Uh, in your opinion, obviously, and the way of how you write about things. Um, what is a product? What do, what do people think products are? And and people mention they are in product or have a product backlog and things like that. How did you yeah, find a product? That is a that is actually a very good and elemental question because what I've been discovering is that people have a different understanding of what a product is. Um, it it can be a software in a high tech world. It can be software. It can be tangible assets, services or a combination that provide value to customers and business partners. Uh So a product is not just for many listeners, Joe, I'm sure, uh, work on software products. And they may only think of the product as providing software. However, the servicing of the product is also important in many worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, Or there may be tangible aspects to the product for example, in the car sharing business, and I did some product coaching at a, at a company that provides cars, mm-hmm. uh, cars when you need them. Um, there's actually tangible assets, the vehicles, mm-hmm. and the telemetry that's in the vehicles, of course, all the software around that, and signage, for example. And when you think more holistically about the product, it's also the services and support that you provide. So it's really important to have a broader, it's helpful, let's put it this way at a minimum, to have a broader definition of product Mm -hmm. um, beyond just thinking about the software part of the product. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have noticed or had similar experiences. What I had is uh, there are some companies that have a hard time with the term, just from a scrums perspective with a product backlog because they don't relate to that term, they, uh, their industry. They might be just purely in services, mm-hmm. um, like the lack of the tangible things you just mentioned, right? 
Uh, yeah. What kind What kind of advice do you have to them? Is are they are like? Is there maybe something they don't see, or is there, um, or is is the the stuff we're going to talk about in this podcast not relevant for them? No, I think, uh, I, and that's a good question. Really, the product includes services. So if it is uh, the product is a service, that is the that is the product. That is the product, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you just take a product mindset, okay. So the thing about it is that might be a little different than just saying, uh, a service equals a product. When you have a product mindset, you think about a couple of different things. You think about strategic and tactical aspects of a product that a product has a life cycle, uh, from birth to death, so to speak, or using in classic marketing terms, The product, it goes through introduction, you know, after it's launched, it goes, it has a growth period where it's catching on in the market and you want to make smart investment choices to capture, acquire and retain more customers. Then it's in its maturity where, of course, that's where you want to milk the, that's where you have maximum profitability or return on investment if your product is used for internal uses. And then it goes to decline. So introduction, growth, maturity, decline. That's mm -hmm. sort of the classic way of talking about the life cycle phases. Mm -hmm. And you don't might not think of just a serve a service in and of itself as having a life cycle, but it really does. If your business is providing certain services, that does have a life cycle. Mm -hmm. You have to think about okay, what what is the market, uh, and is there um, new technologies that is going to um, change how I go about delivering my services. What is the competition doing in the market? Um, um, what innovations are happening that I need to be aware of that could, you know, put me in business or in an emergency situation, a pair where I have to get on par with another company, a parity emergency because another company mm -hmm. is providing some capabilities I don't. Mm -hmm. So that's the sort of, uh, strategic thinking that needs to be done and the backlog just really represents a product backlog represents the more tactical ways that you actuate or bring to life your strategy mm -hmm. does that make does that make sense this makes total sense and i think uh it makes it very clear and where you would see um you know product management fall in, into the mix and that would be also my next question actually i don't know if you just answered that or maybe there's something you want to add to it is what because we are at the basics right so we would took a touch on the product what is a product but what is product management and are there any kind of common misunderstandings out there i don't want to use the word agile yet but just mm -hmm. general product management yeah 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 well that there is a there is a lot of misunderstandings of product management really it's a discipline And in some ways, it's a nascent or newer discipline, but in some ways not, because uh, the idea came from, let's say, I think it was Procter and Gamble back in the 50s, where they would have, um, and, and the, there's a television show now, I'm trying to think of the name of it, that was on HBO, that talked about, have, that was all about having uh, market marketing men, mm. so to speak, that would look after the product. Mm -hmm. But product management includes... Uh, market research and analysis, um, finding product market fit, which means that you have a good market, you have a product that is serving a good market, and they, they fit well together. 
It's um, doing things like uh, understanding what is the competition doing, competitive intelligence, mm -hmm. uh, continually doing discovery, understanding users and their problems and opportunities. Um, and it's certainly the things that get closer to tactical work that a lot of agile teams work on, like um, uh. actually developing. Um, and then there's also training and servicing on the product and vision, uh, revision, revising it. And uh -huh. even things, product management is a broad discipline. It includes how do we go about launching? How do we handle pricing? And often product management also includes marketing, inbound uh -huh. and outbound marketing. Uh -huh. Not all the time. Sometimes there's a parallel operation in larger organizations with marketing, but they're very tightly coupled uh -huh. together. Maybe even retiring a product. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's that's another aspect. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a real, it's a it's a whole life cycle, um, overseeing the whole health and life cycle mm -hmm. of a product or a product area. If you have a really broad product, mm -hmm. what kind of misunderstandings do you see out there around that? I mean, I I know there is a wealth of different aspects to product management. Is it? Is it that people just see very isolated things, or, or are there any other issues you see with, with folks out there when they see product management? When they see product management? Well, I think there is, and this is just from what I've seen, so it's my, mm -hmm. my sure. view. I think there is a lot of misunderstanding in the agile community um, about product management. Um, that the agile community has sort of glommed onto this term product owner mm -hmm. and taken it to mean the, well, to put it in a cynical way, what some PMs, product managers say is that uh, product, agile people just think of the product owner as being a backlog jockey. <laughs> and they just, you know, they're just overlooking this backlog. Mm -hmm. And, of course, when you look at the Scrum Guide, the Scrum Guide talks about um, overseeing the value of the development team's work through backlog management. Um, and so it's almost an unspoken that the product owner also has product management responsibilities, but it's not explicit. Mm -hmm. And the word strategy never appears anywhere in the Scrum Guide. Mm -hmm. So there's a dearth of guidance uh, in that, at least let's talk about the Scrum Guide, and from which much of Agile has spawned, there's not a lot of guidance within that, um, that artifact, let's mm -hmm. say, that tells people, you know what, product ownership is, is really a role that a, that is in the whole product management space. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That makes total sense, yes. But, but what you're saying is actually I'm almost, uh, I, I want to ask you, obviously, I don't want to put words in your mouth, obviously, is uh, is there even such a thing as agile product management on you based on your definition? Isn't there just product management out there? And uh, there's a way of either doing it agile or non-agile? I agree. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Yep. And a, and a great... PM, a great product manager will exploit, make use, engage in using agile practices. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things, things where you do using 
um, hypotheses and quick iterations and continual discovery and delivery and do validation, mm -hmm. understand your users, whatever tools you, you know, pick, pick the tool you want, jobs mm -hmm. done, personas, um, empathy maps, uh, um, and understand the users in their context, even, you know, borrowing in a lightweight way from user experience techniques like contextual inquiry, mm -hmm. um, that all of those practices the principles from Agile applied to product management really amplifies the value of the product um, and the work of product management. So they're they're really kissing cousins. Okay. All right. So um, you have just mentioned a few uh, um, concepts or and tools how to uh, explore product management in general. Do you mind like just giving the listeners out there um, some form of guidance around how do companies, what do you see when you work with clients uh, on product coaching? Um, how do they start new products? Uh, you mentioned, for example, discovery for um, um, mm -hmm. a little bit, discovery sessions. Can you just walk maybe on a higher level, but wherever, take a deeper dive wherever you want, right? But um, just walk us through like how would you envision something like this would work for an agile project like let's take a focus we're on agile fm right so we want to obviously talk a little bit of agile let's say the 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 project to be kicked off would uh, off would be agile what would be a good starting point um how would you typically see teams go towards a backlog yeah okay that's a great question and and uh many of the many of the things that i think i'm going to say are not dissimilar to what a lot of agilists do in their in their work as a day-to-day -day, but mm -hmm. maybe also add the um strategic oversight of the product i think well the first thing is understanding what is our product mm -hmm. <laughs> and taking a holistic view of the product so that uh engaging not just the development team but sales if it's a commercial product sales marketing um getting the voice of the customer and um aligning the definition of product with the business strategy so what is our product in a holistic way what are the services surrounding that that is the first thing to get mm -hmm. um shared understanding and then there's then I'm, i don't want to give a like this is a specific order because there's some yes. stuff strategic and some stuff that's more tactical, but everyone um, in the community should understand what is the product and what is the vision for the product. And the vision of course is something that is inspirational and long-term and, you know, may depending on the uh, age of the organization and the product itself, it may, it may morph and change mm -hmm. and, and should with the market. I mean, you know, Look at look at Netflix as a as an example of how how they're essentially providing the same um, product, uh, but with completely different technology and newer different markets. All right. um, so uh, the vision of the product is is really important. And the other aspect that I find that I bring into the work that I do is looking more holistically at the people that are traditionally called stakeholders. Mm -hmm. I don't like that term stakeholders. Um, I think it's uh, it's mentally off-putting and also makes me think of putting a stake in the heart of a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stake, we're going to put it. These are stakeholders. Yeah. Ah, arr, arr. Well, anyway, that I guess I'm mixing metaphors, yes. parrots, and vampires. But I like to think of 
partners, product partners. Mm. And they come from three realms, the customer, the business, and technology. And uh, any successful product is a result of partnering amongst those three partner groups, mm -hmm. customer, business, and technology. And the big V word, value, that's another thing that great product leaders have a handle on. That means that because a lot of teams sort of throw around the term value for their product in the backlog, mm. but value is not always clear. Uh, whose value? Is it customer's value, the business, <laughs> or technology value? Mm. And they each have their own you know, considerations for value. There's different factors. So the product um, leadership needed is to determine what is value what does value mean both long term and short term so that you know I'm pulling the right things more tactically from mm. the product backlog. Maybe the sponsor so maybe the sponsor can give some uh, direction here as well. Yes, and the sponsor mm. would probably have the perspective of the business, the mm. viability perspective. And the customer has the perspective of value around usefulness and usability, you know, the, the, the desirability of the product. And technology has the perspective about feasibility. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, I find a lot of um, what I do and I love, love doing is helping bringing these communities together yeah. to get a shared understanding of the product, of the vision, and of what is value. Mm -hmm. you know? They don't speak so, the same language, right? Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. And the product folks, I'm going to call them product people because there's such a mess out there with titles and names and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the product people are also meantime doing the strategic analysis work to understand customers, uh, markets, technology trends, innovation trends, what is value um, from those different perspectives to be able to provide strategic direction which mm -hmm. would would be visualized if you will in a roadmap a product mm -hmm. roadmap that you know that uh, people need for planning executives need to be able to see you know, that oh yeah we're working on the right stuff if you're working with external um, partners they need to see that and certainly if you have a commercial product as a consumer whether it's b2b or b2c uh, business to consumer or business to business you want to have some faith that you want to stick with this product, so you may expose an external version of your roadmap, yeah? Mm -hmm. So that's all strategic stuff. And then a smart product person is going to collaborate with the team to create, I like to say, a lean and lumpy backlog. Mm -hmm. how, is so that, how is that transition in, in general? Because you're going to from strategic to, to tactical, right? How would you bridge these two worlds. What is what is a good technique for that? Well, you mentioned roadmap, right? And yeah, we ended yeah, up we ended roadmap. up on the backlog yeah. side, right? How would we how would we bridge that gap? Well one of the tools that I've been using for a number of years, which which we wrote about in the Discover to Deliver book, mm -hmm. is to um, use a facilitated workshop, uh, a session where or series of sessions where um, you and I call it a discovery workshop. Right. where you explore options for the product in what's called structured conversations, where you look at those options using seven product dimensions. Because if you look at any product, 
at its essence, there are seven dimensions to the product itself. You know, if you open up that box, there's the user dimension, the people who interact with the product. Um, there's the interface dimension, which is how do those users connect to the product? Um, there's the action dimension, which is what are the capabilities and behaviors and tasks that a user can do with the product or that the product provides, you know, to those users. Um, and then there's data, right? So that's the persistent information that's you're acting on, you're acting on data. Mm -hmm. And there's the control dimension, which is rules, policies, regulations that, that, that constrain behavior or in many cases assert structure um, to the data, yeah? So that's four of them, user interface, action, data, control, that's five actually. And then there's then this another one is the environment dimension. So what's the platform? What's the hardware, software platform? And if you have a physical product, it's very important to know what the component parts are, mm -hmm. all right? And then there's quality attributes, which most people mistakenly call non-functionals, but it's only one of the three non-functionals. These are, uh, you know, those properties that constrain the operation of the product. Mm -hmm. You know, little things like, oh, security, reliability, mm -hmm. usability, yeah. performance and response time and uh, testability, modifiability. There's a, there's a whole bunch of these put together. A meta model of these, but I, I'm making a joke, right. Joe, because those quality attributes are so crucial to most products. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes, but I'm I'm impressed that you, from the top of your head, you can explore those uh, seven components here. I hope you're not testing me at the end of this podcast <laughs> to uh, repeat them. Right. So uh, no, there's lots of information online that I yes. can point people to. But right. yeah, I mean, I've worked with those all the time. But, but to to your answer of you know uh, being able to let's say navigate across the um, across the gradient of strategic and tactical thinking, mm -hmm. um, if we think of the strategic view as sort of the big view, and the tactical as the now view, you know maybe that's an iteration or or your whip if you're using Kanban. Mm -hmm. The strategic maybe being your roadmap, and you have something in that gradient in between, which we call the preview, which is like a release level. You you can have what I find is that we can have discovery conversations, structured conversations, um, to explore options across and within these seven dimensions mm -hmm. at those various levels of granularity, and from there you can assemble the high value options depending on what planning horizon we're talking about, uh -huh. big view, preview, now view, you assemble the high value ones and those are gonna become the backlog items. Right. They might be big chunky features, they might be much smaller stories or right. you know, chunky stories. Right, so this this is actually a very good point you just made, you, you refer to it as backlog items and, and stories. Your, your world, your books and, and things you have written is very much about requirements. The term requirements though is, uh, you know, in the Agile community, it seems to me not very popular. Uh, we're trying to tiptoe around the word requirement. Um, how do you how do you how do you feel about that being published in that in the world? How do you see these things? But for me, there's a lot of requirements work out there, and uh, some of those books I have read uh, in the late '90s, early 2000s. I just recently mm -hmm. had Jerry Weinberg on. 
uh, mm-hmm. just to name one, a very really influenced my career and still does today. And they're yes. talking about requirements. Yes, yes. I, I mean, I totally get why people are talking about requirements as a dirty word, because the traditional way of thinking about the requirements are you have this honking big document. And it's begins and each sentence begins with the system shall. Oh. And you know and it's divided up into a section of functional and non-functional, which is complete baloney. I mean, these things are inter inter interwoven. Mm. Um and I that's something that took for me just working on on products a lot of, of understanding to see that that was baloney. I mean not not putting down those shoulders that we stand on. Uh, however, looking more holistically at the product, I see that you know you don't make that false division, the F word, functional mm-hmm. and non-functional. Right. Um, but uh, you know, I think it's I think it's a, a really powerful point that in a way there ain't no stinking requirements. Mm-hmm. There, if you're building a sprint, if you're building a part of the product in a sprint, I should say, and you have pretty clear acceptance criteria. For what you're going to deliver in that week or two weeks, those would be requirements. Mm-hmm. So, so at the now view, what you know you need to build, and once you also know how you have to validate it that it was actually required, that you can, that you have evidence that it was necessary, um, then it's a requirement. Mm-hmm. But at those other broader planning horizons, the the preview, the now view. They're just, let's put it this way, I, I think of it as um, three levels, if, to simplify it, big mm-hmm. view, preview, now view, like the plan, so to speak, would be big view, roadmap, preview, release plan, now view, iteration, sprint, plan, or your whip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And another way of thinking of the backlog items that you may want to um, codify in a backlog, in a, in a hopefully small backlog, would be rep- represented as wants at the big view, uh, needs at the preview, and requirements at the now view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wants, needs, requirements. Uh, boulders, rocks, pebbles. Nice. That's another nice. way of thinking about it. Nice. We're really covering a lot of ground about the terminology, but also providing uh, you're providing a lot of uh, depth to, especially some of those gaps we had talked about in the in the process, some of the companies might have uh, outlined their way of how to get to a to a backlog. I want to go um, and explore something else with you: the Agile Manifesto, customer mm-hmm. collaboration over contract negotiation. Mm-hmm. How does that like that statement? Because we are talking about agility here. How does how does that impact your view on on product management? Um, that's an interesting question, and uh, that's, that's, uh, that gives me some food for thought uh, that I had never been asked that question about. How does that uh, customer collaboration over mm-hmm. contract negotiate? Well, I think, um, I mean, it's totally aligned to great product management because great PMs are going to be out, you know, you could almost make a rule that you're with the customer at least one day a week, and actually the team as well mm-hmm. with the customer. Um, whether you're using, you know, using a variety of discovery uh, uh, methods, um, um, so the customer collaboration is essential to know what is the problem the customer has, what is the opportunity. You know, it's said that a great product person—I I can't remember who said this, but I really like this idea—is uh, doesn't get into the trap of the solution. 
but they fall in love with the customer's problem. Mm -hmm. Fall in love with the customer's problem. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, then you're going to really be eager and motivated to help them solve that problem and not have uh, be closed off to the means by which you mm -hmm. solve the problem. Do you, do you see product uh, managers, I'm not saying product owners necessarily, because it's a bigger thing as we learned earlier, right? Um, do you see there is more collaboration uh, in recent years on product management since the introduction of Agile, or do you see any changes um, in, the, in that world? More collaboration between product management folks and... Uh, or and maybe and gluing together like what you mentioned earlier, customer, business, technology, uh, yeah. um, in collaborating more. Because, there, I mean, in, in traditionally, like years and years and years ago, uh, there were like specifications, right, before we entered the world of Agile. And, yeah. Yeah. and there was perhaps a contract. Uh, now, if you go out there and ask successful product managers, was there a contract and then you just build to the specification, they would probably say never. Uh, and there was always some form of change in shaping the solution. But now the the the, the Agile Manifesto really puts an, an emphasis on exactly that, right? And do you see there is an increase uh, in the industry among um, different parties within an organization to, to have a more collaborative product development process? Um, in I think it really depends on the organization. Um, I think that those organizations that have been transitioning to Agile have been getting better at that because they recognize that the um, guidance mm -hmm. for success needs to come from a product mindset and from whoever that product person, whatever that role is called in the organization. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we're um, – I think we could do a lot better – in bringing together the product management community and the agile community. And, you know, to that end, that's been something that's been bugging me for many years. And to that end, um, like we started here in Boston, so I'm based in the Boston area, we have, we have a, a, a not-profit not -profit group called Agile Product Open. Mm -hmm. And um, we are um, a, a not-for-profit that is affiliated with Boston Product Management and Agile Alliance. So they're one of our sponsors. And we're all about bringing agile principles and practices to product management. So we're, we're in a small way trying to do that. And there's also in the Agile Alliance, there's an initiative that I picked up, quote, being director of, um, called Agile Product Management. And so, you know, we're getting things. We got some stuff going, started up in Canada, uh, an Agile product open, as well as down in uh, in uh, South, Af South Africa. We're looking to do some stuff in Europe. I think we, we need to do a lot better. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the critique in the Agile community is it's sort of a lot of a lot of inside out thinking. And I don't know that I think it's getting better, but I think that a lot of Agilists who come from a very technical background, uh -huh. um, or or have project managers who have sort of converted over to agile thinking, are not aware of the art, science, and discipline of product management. Uh -huh. so, you know that that's a gap. And then on the side of prod, product management, 
they're maybe a little jaded and not understanding how useful the principles of Agile can be to product development. Mm -hmm. So I think we have opportunities for much better collaboration and understanding on on both in both of these communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, Alan, I, I, just by talking to you about all these things and listening uh, to what you say, I, I do think we have so much material to do a, a follow-up um, podcast here together uh, at some point. Maybe just take one of those things and just take a deeper dive again. Um, but before we end, uh, I might have a, a quick question for you, <laughs> and that okay. is, um, how, did, how did the, the concept of MVP, uh, the minimum viable product, has influenced your work um, uh, positively, negatively, um, and uh, what, what's your what's your take on it? It's uh, wherever I go, I hear this term pop up more and more. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I think there's a ton of confusion about this, <laughs> and the original intent in the uh, in Eric Reese's um, lean startup uh, world. Is, is not that this was going to be your final product, but that you were going to try to use this chunk of capability as a way to validate that you had the right product in the first place. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen, particularly in large organizations, Joe, I'm not sure, yeah. you know, mid to large organizations, they've glommed onto this idea of an MVP, and it's basically, you know, uh, an increment as, as some some uh, scaling uh, yeah. methods we call it and it's a, it's a much bigger it's basically saying uh, it's a feature we tried to make it as small as we could right and so I think it's lost its meaning and the original intent um, I, I read a really great article uh, it's that that says let's not call it an MVP let's call it a rat r-a-t so it, meaning risk, uh, risk assumptions test. Mm. So take your highest value or your highest risk, I should say, mm -hmm. the ones that could really kill you and build something or do something because you don't even have to build software to do an MVP yeah, uh, to get some learning um, and test your riskiest assumptions to eliminate those first. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like a, I think it's a bit of a merger in the thinking of hypothesis testing because, you know, that's right. where you're supposed to come up with your MVP that's from right. a hypothesis. And if we really, you know, we've completely stolen from science the idea of hypothesis. And and I happen to be married to a research, a discovery research scientist, so we've mm -hmm. talked about this a lot. Um, and and scientists, when they form a hypothesis and, and they're doing a test, it's really a truthness test because – they want to know whether the hypothesis is true or not. And they actually go in with the point of view that they're wrong. They mm -hmm. actually expect more failure than success. Right. And they're doing this testing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I have some I, I, I have seen some hardware uh, product development actually be based on that. Exactly those failure is, is actually the more common and the the desired almost in this case, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, because you're removing risk. Mm -hmm. And that's actually going back to the topic you brought about requirements. The biggest problem, even with traditional, if you want to think traditionally of requirements, the biggest problem is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. R requirements are the riskiest part of product development. So let's remove those risks as soon as possible. 
So it would almost be nuts not to take an agile lean approach to product development because requirements are so risky. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, know, you can apply that same concept to the idea of the quote MVP or RAT or whatever the heck you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Alan, as, as I said, uh, this is we have so much material to uh, possibly have a follow-up if you are up for that at some later point in time. I love um, it, Joe. We'll start one again. I mean, this was a podcast with uh, Alan Godestino from EBG Consulting. Uh, if you want to get in touch with her, uh, it's a Twitter, Alan Gott, G-O-T-T -T at the end. Um, and we spoke about, you know, no more stakes. We talked about partners. <laughs> We talked about, we even talked about rats. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, talked, right. we, talk, we talked about a lot of things, roadmap, strategy, tactical. I hope you enjoyed the, uh, this podcast as much as I did speaking with Alan and uh, recording it. Alan, thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.